This is a Research in Practice podcast, supporting evidence-informed practice with children and families, young people and adults. So we've spoken quite a bit about um, both of your experiences and we've touched on some recommendations for practice, but I'd like to speak a little bit more about that. It needs to move to a sense of co-development. You know, these, these, these files should be something that are co-produced and you know, it's 2020 now. You've got platforms that just simply didn't exist when Darren and I, who are getting older in the tooth, <laughs> <laughs> that they just didn't exist. And it, it, there must be ways of things like capturing certificates, capturing photos, capturing voice, online platforms, all sorts of things that there's no excuse now. There's no excuse from an application's point of view, I would say. And, and I completely agree. Listen, you know, uh, I've got a 28-year-old daughter, as I said, and she knows so much more about technology than I could ever imagine to know. And young people, invariably, without question, are able to use technology. And, and, and you know, they could probably teach their social workers a thing or two in terms of how to record and what to record if they were given their permission. And it's about respecting children in care as individuals in their own ability to understand their own experiences of care. And it reflects a little bit back about what I said before. Much of what's written in my file doesn't necessarily reflect the way that I saw myself in care. It's a reflection of how the practitioner saw the way that I was in care. If that doesn't persuade anyone that there's a need to allow the child's voice to come into the files, then nothing else will. So that, that links back to what you were saying before about how much information it's possible to share um, with a child or young person at the time. Um, and also, John George, you're talking about for practitioners who are recording now in their jobs to be thinking about how do we um, do that in a way that is co-constructed with children and young people. And also, Darren, I like your idea about seeing them as experts, not only in their own lives, but you're right, often children and young people are far, far better um, at, at accessing technology and, and using that to their full capabilities. Is there anything else that you would like to say to people who are involved in creating these records um, today? I guess a simple thing would be um, when you write something in a file about a child, take it to that child and let them read it and say, this is a reflection on our meeting the last time that we met. Would you agree? Simple as that, really. <laughs> uh, uh, for me, it's very much that when they put pen to paper, that's permanent. So when they create that file, that file will be seen. It's likely to be seen at some point, not just by that child, because they can access it now at 12, but as an adult. And as an adult, maybe at 20 and 30 and 40 and 50, and that those words will be poured over. Now, that's difficult because I don't want to <laughs> suddenly make people freeze, but it's just to take a breath whenever you write these reports, just to think about the person that you're writing the report about. And something that really stuck with me that Darren said, which is really critical, is that let's not forget that we're talking about children and they're in a traumatic situation. Yeah. So never, ever forget that. But also never forget those, those small little bits that make up a life like I said before capture the capture some of those those, those more positive moments the, the joyous moments as Darren called them 
and and put them in there. I know there is a sense that you have to be compliant. Every form that's filled has a purpose and you must be compliant to that. I get that. But that doesn't stop you adding that kind of texture into um, a, into those forms so that when you put them all together and I'm sitting there when I'm 21, 22, that I get a, a much richer sense of my life through the reports that you've written and that you've taken the care to see me as a person and, and see me and not just my behavior or not just that thing that I did, but you try to capture a, a, an essence of who I am. And don't worry, I can unpick most of it and I can put it together and I'll create the story, but do you just give me some good material, some more material, not just negative material, and, you know, there are, there are moments in my file where that, that comes out and it's really, really powerful. The most powerful parts are those, those kind of gems, those more positive gems. But um, that's what I would say. Just, just take a breath before you write. Um, a few more things that I wanted to pick up on there were um, I was just thinking about what you said, Darren, about that simple message of, practitioners going back to the child or young person and saying this is what I wrote about our last meeting do you agree and forgive me I can't remember which one of you mentioned it earlier but you were saying it might have been that you didn't have the same opinion and and how would you how would you like to see that reflected in a file I think it was it was me that said sometimes they'd written about me and they didn't reflect the way. So I could read what some of the staff were saying about me in the day about my behaviour on a Saturday morning and a Sunday afternoon, and different members of staff were writing about me in different ways. I'm reading that and I'm thinking a bit cheeky actually saying all that one because I don't remember you coming to me and saying to me what did you think about it, and maybe that member of staff was someone that didn't get along with me and who I never got along with. But each children's home that I was in, as far as I remember, had a supervisor. And the supervisor's job should be there for, maybe, for example, if someone's going to write a log about me in a children's home, I don't just want that member of staff to do that subjectively because that's going to be, it's impossible for that person to be completely objective considering there might be an altercation between me and that member of staff that particular day. So why should that member of staff not be able to write something in a file and then a supervisor pick up that file and bring it back to the child and say, look, you know, this is the thing that's been written. Would you agree? And do you want to give your perspective? Why should he give them two, them two sides of the story, as it were? And as John George has just said, once the pen goes to paper, it's there forever. Yeah. Or 42, as John is, and 48 as I am, and you come back and you look at it again, you're reflecting on it, you're going to look and you're going to see someone's particular perspective. If you can see your own perspective at the time as well, that gives you another, an, an, another important reflection. Massively, massively, massively important. Um, and as I said, it might help you not have to draw upon your own mm. positive memories because you might be able to write a positive memory into your file yourself as a child. So when you do become an adult, you go back and you look at it, you can see it. Don't assume that all you need to do is write into a file. Photographs, certificates, achievements, all them things that we, I mean, getting in your pyjamas and jumping in the swimming pool and getting a break from what much swimming pool is an important part of life. <laughs> yeah, it's just for doing it. You, want to you know, and it's, it, it might seem like something that's not important, but it's massively, massively important. Massively important. So don't forget them kind of things because they offer a real important human touch. 
Yeah, there's, there's not enough celebration in this file. And there is a lot to celebrate. Um, there was a lot in my childhood to celebrate that isn't captured there. Um, so definitely there needs to be more of those, more of those positive, positive moments for sure. So it's about um, it being okay to incorporate multiple perspectives. Yeah, make... oh, sorry, that's, I'm sorry, I was just going to add, it's okay to have conflict. I think that's the reality of, of, of our lives, isn't it? We all look at things in different ways. We bring our own baggage to every, every moment of our life. So I've got no problem with there being conflict in, in the file. Actually, I'd celebrate that conflict. It's just you need to have the child's voice in that mix mm. because at least then I have the opportunity to give, give my version. And, you know, there are times when I look back on the file where I think, uh, I interpret the situation like this, but now as an adult, I can think, oh God, what an idiot I was being, and I was being an eight-year-old. But it, just capture that voice at the time, and then yeah. let me let me call myself an idiot later on, or let me call you an idiot later on. You know, let's have all those that mishmash of of uh, of conversations and ideas. I don't see a problem with conflict. Sure, sure. Another thing that I was thinking about is how language changes over time uh so that's a whole other podcast it is a whole other (laughs) podcast um the power of language yeah but i i guess i was just wanting to pick up just very briefly then about would you have any messages for um practitioners who perhaps you know feel a bit frozen about wanting to do the right thing but realizing that perhaps language that we use today and that is seen as very acceptable in 20 years time may be viewed differently so i've got examples of that in my file so my dad's black he comes from jamaica and this was written some of it in the 80s and some of the language uh, a way to describe my dad wouldn't be appropriate today okay um and the way that they, that there's some viewpoints of him that I think are probably unfair. And they're, they're based on the time period in which they were written. Now, I understand that. When I see some of the comments that are written, they were written in the 80s. And people had a certain viewpoint in, in, in the 80s or generalizing here to make a point. I, I, I get that. I've, got, I've not got a great problem for me personally with that. I understand it and I should be given the opportunity to kind of make my own views on that. I don't want to handcuff social workers sitting writing reports because they're trying to think of what will be the politically correct term in 30 years time because of the way that identity politics shift and the way that language shifts so, so quickly and it's one of the great wonders of language that just try it, just do your best in the time that we're at. If you can be fair and, and uh, about that and do your best, that's all you, all you can ask for. Like the, the thing I'm scared of is people writing reports that are just sterile. Sure. And that are just form-filling exercises. I don't want that. I would rather there be some, dare I say, some creativity in there. I mean, it would be nice to have seen some of the reports at the time and been able to respond to those reports. I understand that social workers are in a very difficult position because you're dealing with children and how much information do you let them see? 
and how much information do you need to keep back? I totally get that conundrum. But there can be a version of some of these reports that could have been given to me as a child to, to give my opinion on, you know, um, and, and captured how I felt about things at the time. But that would have given it more of that nuance, um, or at least some of that nuance. Um, but that, uh, sadly, that, that's missing. It's not there. It's no, it's no different as being a parent, the conversation you have to have with yourself quite well, I have to have with myself quite often, is to remember that my kids are, are children and trying to put them first and get out of my own head sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, I can make it about me and I forget. And it, I'm asking the same thing of a social worker is sometimes to say with all the clutter that it is to, 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 to be a social worker and um, there's a lot to think about. I totally understand that. Like Darren, it's just every now and again to kind of shift yourself and put yourself in their shoes. Actually, just remember what it was like when you were a child. Maybe that's a good way of thinking about it. Remember being a kid yourself and what you would want a social worker to do for you. That's really helpful. Um, and finally, I was going to ask um, that, you know, we've talked about um, that including the voice of the child and so on. And we also spoke a little bit about how um, things to do with third parties and different people um, have an influence on your lives. And I'm sure you're both familiar that there are times when social workers might have to write some, some quite difficult things. Mm. Um, and, and how that is, is addressed um, so that it, it's made clear, for example, um, the reasons why a child came into the care system. Do you have any, do you have any um, recommendations for people who are recording those kind of quite challenging things nowadays in a way that is clear, um, but also sensitive? You know, one of the first things that people say to me when they come in to apply for the files is they want to know why they went to care because they want to know the truth. And they believe that social care file is going to tell them the truth because the mum, the dad, the brother, the sister, or auntie, the uncle is full of conjecture sometimes. And sometimes the care system is an embarrassing thing within the context of a family. So trying to address it most honestly is not the best place to go in terms of your family. Your file is the place to go to get an entirely objective, clear, honest understanding. So that's what you need to do when you write the reasons why someone goes into care. Be completely objective and honest and clear when you're writing down the reasons why someone's gone into the care system. I don't think that's a difficult thing at all. I think that out of everything we've talked about, that's the easiest part, is just be fair. As Darren says, be objective, write it out. Um, You know, looking through my care file, I've had to kind of dig that out, but it could have been straightforward and clear. I don't think that shouldn't be difficult. And Darren, can you tell me a little bit about to what extent reading the files gave you a sense of your story? It, it, it did really. It just it opened up loads more memories, all of which were not negative, as I just explained before. Many positive memories, and, and that's because I chose to do that. Not everyone's got you know the mental capacity to be able to say, okay, look, let me think about this in a positive way as well. And that's why support is so important. You need someone there that's maybe a little bit objective, 
not so close to you to be able to help you understand that there are positives in your life as well as negatives. Because um, you can't carry negatives throughout your whole entire life. You just destroy yourself in doing so. Well, I think you've both really beautifully brought together your your own personal experiences, Darren, your professional experiences, and both of your experiences as part of that research project um, to really bring to life why it is so important um, for you know, some really key messages for both people wanting to access their records and for people who might be involved in supporting them to do so. And I think you've also really brought to life some really key messages for people who are involved in making records today and some really key things for them to consider. So thank you both. Thanks, it's great to have the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Research in Practice podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Why not share with your colleagues and let us know your thoughts on Twitter? Tweet us at ResearchIP.